we talk about the issues at the nexus of open data, open government, and sustainable development in Africa. Um, this week, uh, I'm joined by Lina Juma, who gives us a brief rundown of uh, a few stories that have uh, emerged from the continent. Hi, I'm Lynette, and these are some of the stories from the continent this week. One of the leading stories this week has been the arrest of Ugandan Member of Parliament Bobby Wine for illegal possession of firearms and ammunition. According to the Daily Nation, a Kenyan newspaper, his arrest sparked protests in Uganda, demanding for his release and even peaceful protests in neighboring Kenya and around the world. Bobby Wine was yesterday released and charges against him for illegal possession of firearms dropped, only for him to be rearrested moments later on treason charges. On gender, the Citizen, a South African-based newspaper, reports the ANC has come under sharp criticism from its ally, the Congress of South Africa Trade Unions, COSATU, for excluding all gender rights protection clauses from the traditional courts bill currently before Parliament. While legislators have attributed the omission to avoiding repetition clauses, repetition of clauses already existing in the Constitution, COSATU still rejects the deletions of human rights and gender equality clauses and demands their inclusion. On data, the Relief Web, a leading humanitarian information source on global crisis and disasters, this week looks at data's central role in supporting agricultural decisions from production to storage to avoid wastage and loss. Data around planting seasons, farm implements, and tackling pests could go a long way to make agricultural produce better. The Consultative Group for International Agricultural Research, CGIAR, is such one platform where this data can be accessed. A multi-stakeholder approach, including governments, foundations, NGOs and universities is however still necessary to ensure farmers have access to this data. CGIAR have organized their platform for big data in agriculture convention to be held in October in Nairobi, to be held in October in Nairobi, Kenya. For more information, check out bigdata.cgiar.org. Last July, the Open Government Partnership held its global summit in Tbilisi, Georgia. Uh, the summit brings together champions, policymakers, researchers, advocates, technologists, civic techies, activists, all these people who are working for more openness in governments around the world. Uh, a day before the summit kicked off, uh, we spoke to Nena Nwakanma. She's a policy director at the World Wide Web Foundation. Uh, and we spoke to her about women's rights in Africa, about the Maputo Protocol, which is Africa's protocol on the rights of women in Africa, and the role of open data in helping us move that agenda forward. Today we're in Tbilisi, Georgia at the OGP Summit, uh, and we are speaking with Nena Nwakanma. I will let her introduce herself in a minute, but one of the things I'd like her to do as she does that is tell us a little bit about uh, her, her journey. How did she end up um, working on free and open source software and then um, end up in this space uh, working on issues to do with women and girls in addition to everything else that she does? Welcome, Nenna. Thank you. Jumbo Jumbo. Hello, everyone. My name is Nenna. I come from the internet and I'm happy to be here speaking with everyone and I hope we'll have a nice time together. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, um, when I met you, you were working on free and open source software with the Free Open, open Source Software Foundation of Africa, FOSFA. Mm -hmm. we, 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 we pronounce acronyms. Yes. Uh, but how, how did you end up going from FOSFA, uh, as, I, as I knew you back then, to where you are now with the kind of passions that you're pursuing? Right. Um, people have known me at different times. But if I want to come back to women's rights, 
I remember I was a postgraduate student in 2000, in the year 2000, and a budding activist in those days. And guess what? I, I actually worked uh, my postgraduate degrees in international relations and law. And my thesis was on the protection and promotion of women and children's rights. Oh, wow. And so it was only okay. natural for me that my first activism was around what became Maputo Protocol in 2000. <laughs> oh, wow. So you're actually there at the point where it was coming alive. So those were my median activist days. Oh, this is excellent. And, and, and I didn't know that part uh, about, about oh, your, well, your now past you life. Know. Uh, no, I do know. <laughs> So your, your, your early days working on, on the map, what was it like at that time when it was at the beginning, um, very few countries were ratifying, uh, signing even? At, at well, the at that time, um, we were migrating from, we were, internet was coming into Africa, and we had something called the, the highway, the information highway, and the UN Economic Commission for Africa had started something called the Africa Information Society Initiative. So we, we are those budding internet people who would use the internet to, to mobilize, to connect, to educate, to, to speak for or against. So that, that was especially how we, be, we began. And that is also how I came into the sharing, the openness space, which later become what we want to call the free software and op the open source free software. So it has always been that, that space that we are in, the sharing, the activism, the human rights, and, and the governance, the good governance space. So I haven't gone far. I'm still around the same, I'm still in the same space, but yeah. the space has been growing. Oh, excellent. Um, so we've, we've, we've done uh, quite a bit of work in the last few years, working on issues to do with open data and open government. Um, where do you see the intersection between open data and the implementation of Maputo Protocol? Um, both are rights-based initiatives. Um, in, in terms of rights, I hope this will not shock people. I hope this will not shock people, but mm -hmm. Africa has one of the greatest rights, protocols, instruments in many areas. Yeah. So for that, we want to say congratulations. Where we have problem is in making it work for the people. Um, African, the, the Organization of African Unity, the, the African Union, I come from West Africa, the what we call ECOWAS. We've had these instruments even before the EU and whatever. Actually, we are pioneers in this area. Now, has this translated into the AU of the people? Has this translated into human rights for the people? Has this translated into improvement of life for the people? Has this translated into poverty reduction for the people? Has this translated into good governance? Those are the key questions. So this is where the intersection is. Um, we adopt these protocols, we adopt these laws, they are high level principles, but in between the high level principle and implementation, something gets lost on the way. And that thing that is missing is the good government. So one is uh, a, a chain, it's a chain, and one is part of the other. It's because we don't have that good governance 
that our high-level principles have not translated. been translated into better lives for Africans. Yeah. And that is why you see brothers and sisters drowning yeah. in the Mediterranean. Yeah. Because they think that we are hopeless and the other place they, is better than us. Yeah. Um, in your view, because of the kind of work that you've been working on, and, and of course your early days working on the Maputo Protocol, uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit about which kinds of data you feel uh, would be particularly useful now in supporting the implementation of the protocol. That, that, that moving it from this global down yes. to the local. Um, we just published this week uh, a, a research paper, is open data working for women in Africa. And well, for someone like me, I was not shocked, but it might shock you. Open data is still not very existent in Africa. We don't have the political will. We don't have the culture around the culture of openness. We don't even have rights to information acts. Um, some governments still think that information is luxury. Uh, connectivity is is for the elites. So it's a privilege. You know, uh, you have and uh, it. getting yeah. on, on, on online is a privilege. Yeah. And people who spend their time online, like myself, are useless people um, doing scams. Now, when I say my name is Nena, I come from the internet. It is the story of an African woman who has had education. It is the story of an African woman who has had a right to work. It is the story of an African woman who has had a right to connectivity. It is the story of an African woman who has used these rights to come together to be able to work, to take care of my family, to be economically and financially independent and have a voice. It is also the story of an African woman who has never been mutilated. Yes. And that's a very good story, and I'm sure a story that we hope will be the story of many girls um, across the continent. Uh, tell me, 2003, back in the day, we're now celebrating 15 years of the, of the protocol on the, on the rights of men in Africa. What, where do you see, what's your, what's your, what's your vision for uh, the next 15 years as we work towards implementing um, the protocol on the rights of women? <laughs> The things that made me who I am, the, the right to have an identity, the right to get an education, the right to pursue education. Basic education is different from education that allows you to be competitive today. Yeah. I take that again. And if you're listening to me, listen very closely. Knowing how to read and write is only basic education. We need to go further to have skills. You see me sitting here? I can practice as a lawyer. You see me sitting here? I can write code. You see me sitting here? Je parle français. I can interpret. I can be a full-time interpreter. You see me sitting here? I can be a grant maker writing project reports, project management. Yeah. You see me here? I can run a full-scale um, events company. And of course, I can run a communications company. I can also cook and take care of my own house. Yes, you can. We're talking about skills. So taking your children to school for a few years just to learn how to read and write is not enough. They need to get qualified. They need to qualify to be competitive at home from Dakar to Djibouti, from Cape to Cairo, and outside of Africa, in Silicon Valley, in, in Abu Dhabi, in 
in, in India. Do you understand that? So these things that made me who I am, yeah. connectivity to the internet, being able to have my voice heard, having an identity, having skills, having education, digital skills, literacy skills. Those are the things I'm hoping that in the next 15 years, Africa will rise up and give that to every citizen. It is our right. Yes. Preach, sister. I'm done. <laughs> Thank you so much, Nena, uh, for taking the time to speak with us.